It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome, everyone, to Behind the Braves, presented by Jostens, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast, Atlanta Braves Digital Media Content Manager, joined, as always, by my co-host and partner, Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. Greg, we have, we know you love pitchers, as do I. Uh, we have one of the young phenoms for the Braves on with us this week. Spencer Strider was generous with uh, with his time and agreed to come hang out with us for a little bit. And I, I got to tell you, and we, we touch on this in the interview, I'm just fascinated by guys who rise so quickly through the professional ranks and granted he he's played in college played at clemson so you know he had that experience but to make this quick rise through the system like he has and initially in the bullpen and now he's worked his way into the rotation really impressive rise and we just got done talking with him an impressive young man too isn't he yeah very much i i was um i was thinking about wow i mean this is he's in the big leagues for the second season I mean, he only came up for a little bit last year, but then I was thinking about, well, you know, he probably spent quite a bit of time in the minor leagues and it seems like a season probably had some seasoning down there, but no, not at all. Like I think you even pointed out, he had four different stops last year, plus the big leagues and on a team that was really um, made a huge run, win the World Series. And then he's back in it this year, expectations super high. So I think he has been seasoned by all the movement and the expectations and then having some success. So um, it's great to see. It doesn't always work out that way. I mean, just because a kid comes out of college and is highly touted and then start they start bumping him through the minor leagues, sometimes when you get to the big leagues, it's a totally different challenge. And... Um, and but man he's handled it so well so not only that but you think about he goes from reliever to starter so now they threw another wrinkle at him because he did so well in that kind of long spot in the bullpen now the other starters who were who were supposed to be in that fifth spot didn't do as well so they put him there and he's just he just kept doing it so it's great to see i think if i look back over the last 15 years or so uh, and then, of course, then my career of watching the Braves and being a part of the Braves organization, there's not been a lot of guys that have made that transition very well. It's really, really difficult. So by talking to him now, I, I kind of get a pretty good sense that he's pretty even killed. And um, and I can understand why he's uh, he's made a pretty good transition, because that is not easy to do. I know. I was. I'm glad you said that. I was thinking back just in my Braves fandom of some times when somebody was brought through the system quickly, particularly guys that were in college, and then they're brought through the system quickly. And I can think of some instances, and I won't name any names, but I can remember mm-hmm. some times long before Alex and the current uh, front office where a guy would be brought along, and it would almost seem like from the time he was drafted – there was already a plan there to get him to the big leagues fast because the need for the big league team is there. So it was kind of like they're hoping that or planning we're gonna we're gonna get this guy through the system quickly. And 
that's probably not always the best plan or idea with anybody. You, you let them tell you when they're ready. And clearly Spencer told the organization with, with his pitching last year that, that he was ready to, to come up. I'm curious, you as a former big leaguer, big league pitcher, what do you think, what goes through your mind when you're seeing a guy not only coming out there and throwing 101, 102 miles an hour, but doing it for multiple innings and still coming out and pump, pumping like over 100 miles an hour, like I, it blows my mind to see it. And I know it's like almost we see guys that throw high 90s and all that regularly now, but it's still like I'm still fascinated by it. What as a former big leaguer, what do you think when you see that? Yeah, I'm always fascinated by the guy who throws extremely hard. I, I was fortunate to play with guys like Steve Bedrosian and Mark Wollers who threw very, very hard John Smoltz because I was not that type of pitcher. So I'm sure they looked at me and thought, how in the world does he do it? Because <laughs> he can't hardly break a pane of glass. But no, um, it, it is fascinating for me. But I, I will say this. When I pitched, I, th- I gave 100%. Right. So I did everything my body could allow me to do. He does the same thing. He doesn't overthrow. And it's just that the ball comes out 100 miles an hour. Just like when I would throw, the ball would come out 88. Right. It, but we put the same effort into it. What I love about what he's doing is that he's smooth. He's not overthrowing. There were times early on when and I'm I, he, he brought up Max just because, you know, he's kind of that seasoned veteran that's talking to him in between starts or sitting there on the bench and they're talking about the game. And so I think about Max Freed and when he first started here with us, what's it been, four or five years now? He had great stuff. They knew he had a great curveball. He threw the ball hard, but you could see Max kind of overthrowing a little bit, right? You could see him trying to really drive the ball up in the zone. And I remember there being a really interesting transition in Max's career early on where all of a sudden he's like, you know what? I don't have to do that. I just need to be myself and I need to, my fastball is good enough. My breaking ball is good enough. And so all of a sudden, Max just kind of settled in and he started utilizing both sides of the plate, up and down, in and out, change-ups, a little bit of a two-seam runner in the curveball. And then he started throwing the cutter and the slider. And it's kind of like he just kind of settled in. But early on, you could see him overthrowing at times. You don't really see that from him now. And what's amazing is you think about that relationship with between Max and Spencer. And then you think about, um, you know, the, there was some uh, relationship the last couple of years with AJ Mentor, Mentor, and and um, and who he was working with in the bull. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his oh, name. Uh, Josh Tomlin. Yeah, Josh Tomlin. So you think about Josh, and you think about AJ, and the relationship that they kind of built, and how that really helped AJ because AJ would come in and start to overthrow, and then all of a sudden you saw him kind of settle into his own, and where he was throwing multiple pitches in the zone and he didn't feel like he had to throw the ball 100 miles an hour. So I love that about what Spencer's doing right now. So I'm seeing a lot of maturity and maybe that's because Max helping him and learn from some of the mistakes he made early on. But uh, I love seeing that kind of stuff because it is not easy to do at the big league level. A lot of these guys that get rushed through the minor leagues, they don't have the time to experience some failure and really they don't have time to experience success. They just kind of keep moving them along because they're they're both they're both sides of the coin, right? You you learn from some from on both sides, but you got to experience both of them, and that's the all the thing that always worries me about these young kids coming up and are expected to do so much. 
like Michael Harris, like Spencer Strider, when they get up there and then now they're on the big stage facing the best hitters in the world and they've got to learn to fail and they've got to learn to succeed. And it's just not that easy. Well, I I think Spencer has it's been it's been a rapid rise, but I feel like he's he's earned every bit of it with with his performance. And to touch on Michael Harris real quickly, I was talking with somebody here in the office about this yesterday. What I love about them bringing up him up as early as they did is that he's batting ninth and you know he's going to play good center field. So I feel like he's in a position to succeed. We're not we're not putting this all on you. You don't have to come up here and be the savior. You just have to do what you know you can do in the outfield and then you learn or keep learning, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh when when it's your time at the plate and i feel like that's happened that process has happened a lot quicker for spencer because he came up if memory serves he came up the day after the braves had clinched the division last year and the playoff seating was already set the last week the last series of the the year had no bearing on our our postseason whatsoever so they brought him up and let him get his feet wet so even though it was brief he did get to come up here and pitch in the big leagues briefly earned away earned his way onto the roster out of the spring training and i know just from looking on social media there were a lot of people who were upset that he wasn't in the rotation sooner this year they thought that he belonged there maybe so i don't know that's not for me to say but i like that they still kind of gave him some time to they didn't just throw him in there at the first opportunity like they kind of let him let him get still he was still getting his feet wet if we're being honest because he just came up basically a series last year sure and then he was here so It's a couple of those guys, Tucker, Davidson, and Muller, they they earned the right to try to win that that fifth spot. I mean, they had been up and pitched quite a bit last year. And um, and so I had no problem with them starting out to see if they're going to take hold of one of those spots. Spencer, you know, he he just was kind of moved up. And I, I liked the spot that he was in because, let's face it, that's not the most um, the most critical spot in the bullpen, right? It's it's kind of, if you look at your middle guys, now they're used a little bit more than, than they were 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, but that's kind of the least, you know, um, the least pressure if you're thinking about a big league pitching staff. So you can kind of get your feet wet, wet, like you said. You can come in some games that maybe you're a few runs down, you're a few runs up, and you kind of eat up, you're just eating up some innings. So you really get a chance to, to do it and not in the spotlight so much. And but when you're that fifth spark starter, or if you're that setup guy and you're that closer, man, there's a lot more expected of you because typically the game is on the line. Now, I'm not saying every time you come in the game, we know that the game's on the line to some degree. But I thought that was a perfect spot for Spencer to kind of get acclimated and feel like he belonged to to really get settled in. And then after he saw some success, right? That's what we wanted to see: get some success. And then, boom, they give him an opportunity and he takes hold of it in the fifth spot. So, you know, and and let's face it, neither one of those other guys really took a hold of that fifth spot. You know, they had a a good game, bad game, good game, bad game. And then and then, you know, they're going to Alex is going to do that and and snip. They're going to say, hey, well, let's see if you're doing well, then let's see you get a chance. What I'm I'm really amazed at and this really 
you'll see this a lot. You haven't seen this a lot in the history of of the Braves, but you see a lineup that changes how Snit, and I don't know if this is Snit and Alex talking about this, if this is Snit's solely decision, but I've never seen guys moved around so much. Typically, if you're the four-hole hitter, you're the three-hole hitter, you're the one-hole hitter, that's where you, you stay no matter if you're batting 150 or if you're batting 350. But man, if you, it's just like, but see, that's the way it was in the bullpen. If you weren't doing well, guess what? You didn't pitch, right? So I kind of like that as a bullpen guy. I'm thinking, you know what? If you're not hitting, move your butt down to ninth spot, right? And you earn your way back up into that spot. That's the way we had to do it. And so I, I think that that's kind of served the Braves well, that the guys who are t- hitting well, they kind of start, they get to start moving up in the lineup and they get more ABs, right? So I don't know. I love that. But I don't remember that from a historical perspective. I don't remember that happening. Guys would freak out about that. Well, if the month of June for the Braves is any indication, it all seems to be working right now. <laughs> yeah. So Keep it doing. Keep it going. Everybody's fighting to get up in those first three spots and get more ABs. Yeah, I love it. Well, let's get into it. Uh, Spencer Strider, really impressive young man, obviously very impressive pitcher. And uh, we really enjoyed talking with him. So let's get into it. Here he is. Spencer Strider. Well, hey, Spencer, thanks for joining us on Behind the Braves. Uh, I told Ricky um, it's about time we got some Tennessee boys on this podcast so we can so we can talk about uh, Knoxville and all that good stuff. He's always wanted to talk about Virginia. So we're we're uh, glad to have you on. And uh, just want to talk a little bit about um, just your journey. I know, it, boy, it's been quick. I mean, bam, you're uh, you're in college and then all of a sudden you just have this crazy ascent through the minor leagues. I mean, do you feel like you're you're adjusting or you still feel like your head's kind of spinning a little bit? Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of movement in the last year for sure um but you know it's all good stuff so um makes it a lot easier to to deal with the instability when it's when it's good news you know so um yeah i mean it's uh i feel like this beginning of the season was still a little little new it's you know still that that wow this is the big leagues kind of feeling but um i, I feel like i've settled in at this point and i'm a lot more comfortable well, I know it's easy when you've got uh, a team of veterans, even though there's a lot of young players on the team. When you go through a World Series and and you you go under, I guess the the scrutiny of the whole year where you're struggling a little bit, and then the team just pops up out of nowhere and they have this incredible run. That really creates um, uh, the term like you, you feel like even though guys are young. They have this veteran presence about them because they've been tried and tested. I saw that on some of the teams I was on early on. But I wanted to ask you, do you feel like that there's somebody that you kind of gravitated towards uh, on this team that's kind of maybe mentoring you or that you kind of look up to that you've been able to um, pick his brain a little bit to help help make this adjustment that's going on with you? Uh, I mean, there's been a lot. You know, I've, I've had several roles. So at, at times it's been guys in the bullpen. Um you know, like Colin McHugh or uh, Will Smith, you know, some of these these guys that have done multiple, multiple things and um, you know, certainly have a, a lot to offer somebody who's whose role is kind of unstable to start the season. And then uh, uh, but recently it's been Max for sure. I mean, he he's he's always been um, very mentoring towards me. And, uh, um, you know, he thinks a lot and he's got he's got a lot going on. And I, I do as well sometimes. And that can be a. Uh, 
can be a detriment if you don't control it the right way. So uh, now that I've been in the dugout during the games and we've been um, on similar schedules, he and I have had had a lot of good talks. And, you know, he, he sort of came up the same way I did where he was out of the bullpen and then uh, transitioned to a starter. And so, yeah, he's he's provided a lot of good information for him. I really appreciate him. Is it now that you are in the rotation? I assume that's got to be a lot easier. Just preparation, knowing when you're going to pitch, who you're going to face, what day, all that. Is that, has that been a welcome transition for you? Yeah, it's familiar. Um, you know, I, I, I've already encountered a lot of the, uh, the struggles with, with the starting routine before. So, you know, the, the coming out of the pen was a little different. I was sort of learning on the fly, even this year. And, um, Towards the end, I felt like, or towards recently, I feel like I got got into a good routine and, and sort of embraced the uh, the randomness of it. Uh, you didn't have time to worry about how you feel or you know what time the game's at or what inning it is. You just you just control what you can control and jump out there when they tell you to. But uh, having more time to prepare and having the uh, the schedule is good if you can you can manage yourself well. And, and like I said, I've had experience doing doing that. I've been a starter most of my life, and so it is familiar. And and I, I like the uh, the ability to prepare a little bit more focused. Well, Greg mentioned your quick rise last year. I mean, you're in Augusta, Rome, Mississippi, Gwinnett. And Atlanta, all in the course of one year. Like, I mean, I, we can look at the stats and see, okay, which what was the place where you pitched the most games? But I was wondering, like, literally, what location were you even in for the longest? Like, five places in one year. Like, were you in a place even longer in any location for longer than a couple of weeks last year? Um, I was in Mississippi from right the end of June to the end of September. So. I was yeah that that was really the the main stop so and then with the minor league season the way it is now you get a week at each place so uh, that makes the travel a lot better I mean I didn't experience the the uh, alternate um, schedule but uh, from what I what I hear it sounds like it's a lot better when the consistent Monday off days and everything so yeah it was it, I had a lot of different leases and a lot of uh, slept a lot of different places for sure well I love what you've been doing on the mound and and I. Uh appreciate how uh, your demeanor, what you've been doing, you know, pounding the strike zone, getting ahead for being so young and, and stepping into the situation. I mean, just learning to throw out the bullpen, like you said, that's a challenge and going back and forth and not knowing exactly what you're doing. They've really put you to the test early, but I think it's going to serve you well over time. But when you're out there on the mound and, and of course, you know, everybody wants to talk about your fastball, but you probably have already figured out you can't just throw fastballs all the time especially for seven innings right you gotta you gotta mix it up but you also you have to understand these hitters right you gotta you gotta be around a little bit so is it is the information helping you or do you feel like you're just kind of staying in your lane i know it's really a, a challenge to get all this information dumped on you but yet you have strengths you have weaknesses so how are you handling that whole that whole transition of learning all these hitters that are at each stop yeah um i've always been uh pretty supportive of the idea that you know first first thing you need to do is understand your strengths understand what what your game is and then i think you get into trouble when you try and deviate towards somebody else's weaknesses or, or focus too much on somebody else's strengths because at the end of the day i can't become a the, the perfect pitcher for a certain batter i can only be what i am you know i mean i've got the four seam fastball the slider the change up i mean that's that's my arsenal and so a lineup you know i may face a lineup of all left-handed hitters who have great batting average against on a four seam but you know i can't just have a two seam that day so i don't i don't spend a ton of time looking into the uh you know the deep underlying data on opposing lineups just because 
at some point I, I can't really use the the information. There are certain things I want to know, like how you know how often a guy gets to two strikes, or how uh, if a guy's a runner, or um, you know I look at you know splits against right-handed or left-handed. If there's if they're big ones, then maybe a guy was is more uncomfortable from a certain side of the plate or something, or against a certain certain arm on the mound, and so that's good information to have. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the guys that are the best in the game are the guys that just go out and consistently showcase and, and use their their best abilities. And so uh, that's really my main focus and, and what it has been for a few years now is just try and replicate what I'm good at. Okay, this is the, the real hard-hitting question for me. Uh, when did you first grow the mustache? What prompted it? I know in Braves Twitter, uh, as as I do, I'm sure it has its own Twitter account at this point and all of that good stuff. So just curious, when did you first grow grow a mustache? Yeah, I mean, we we did them in, in high school. We would try and grow facial hair, and like if we made it to the state tournament, we would dye our hair and stuff like that, you know. And so I didn't I didn't have much of one back then, but uh, when I was uh, when I was hurt in Clemson uh, in 2019, I let it grow really long and you know curled the ends and stuff and so i just i've sort of had one since then every once in a while i grow out my beard but usually it's a mustache <laughs> well um spencer i grew up right down the road from you i went to webb high school so they were probably you guys played them quite a bit i would imagine and um do you go back to knoxville in the off season are you living there or have you kind of transitioned to atlanta what uh where do you spend most of your time uh yeah we, i'm in knoxville in the off season i actually went to web um k through eight and my sister went to web all the way through so yeah familiar with with that area i went to cak so i was right there in mm-hmm. high school but um yeah, I like Knoxville a lot. I think it, it, you know, has benefits of a city, but it's also not too crowded, so it's a good off-season spot. Yeah, we were following the Vols there, hoping that they would go a little bit further, but uh, didn't didn't work out for us. I think about uh, Jordan Beck. You know, they're calling him Mike Honcho, right? So uh, from uh, from Talladega Knights, and so some of those guys had a pretty good uh, pretty good fall. I know you went to Clemson. Which is really that was a place I wanted to go out of out of high school. Did you have a good experience there? Did you? And I think you did. You play with Paul Bird's son, Grayson. Yeah, I did. Okay, very yeah. good. Yeah, Clemson was was great. I I uh, not not a Tennessee fan, despite growing up in Knoxville. <laughs> I I put them at the bottom of the list of teams I would ever support. Oh man, uh, wrong wrong orange, right? This uh, is yeah. my favorite moment in this podcast history. <laughs> Finally, I love so, it. So. Uh, yeah, no, not a Tennessee fan in the least bit. Regretfully had to root for Notre Dame, if you could call it rooting for Wow, but, okay. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, Clemson was phenomenal. The coaching staff there was terrific, and, you know, they gave me a great opportunity. And, unfortunately, I didn't didn't get to play a whole lot just because of my injury and then uh, the COVID season in 2020. But, you know, I, I think that what I learned the most there came outside of the game. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful for for my time at Clemson. Yeah, it's a good town. I, how did you? I read that you're you're a vegan. How did you first get interested in, in becoming a vegan, and what led you there? Uh, it's 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 fascinating. I was fascinated when I read that, so I was just curious how how did you end up uh, making that choice? So I had um, I had high blood pressure. I was diagnosed when I was 18, and they started medicating me. And I was always a little skeptical on whether that was necessary. And yeah, I, I had trouble sleeping. I was a little little. Um, my body fat percentage was higher than I wanted it to be. It was sort of reaching a plateau in the weight room and with mobility issues and stuff. And I uh, was rehabbing TJ at the time, so I didn't want inflammation problems and started looking into uh, 
you know, ways to sort of approach some of those issues without medication, without, um, you know, more uh, fabricated, you know, methods of, of whatever. So, yeah, so I saw a diet as a, as a wave and I always thought I ate well. And then, uh, you know, I've, as an athlete, I was very protein focused. And so I was having a lot of, a lot of meat, a lot of dairy and things that were vicariously bringing on a lot of fat, a lot of cholesterol and um, sodium and other stuff. So I'm certainly missing out on some nutrients and yeah, so I transitioned into a plant-based diet. And within two weeks, I didn't need medication anymore for my blood pressure and haven't since. And yeah, I went from, uh, 20% body fat to 13% body fat. Now I'm at 11% uh, in about three months that happened and rehab TJ in 11 months with no setback, started sleeping better. And so, yeah, I mean, I felt so much better right off the rip that um, while it was inconvenient at first to kind of upend your entire dietary lifestyle, it, uh, it was worth worth sticking to. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. I think that's one thing I've seen a lot with you guys. You've got so many things down to a science that we just we just didn't have that uh, ability to have people around us that were kind of feeding us that information that allowing us to do some of the things that you're doing. And I and that uh, kind of leads me to my my last question with you. I know that it, you know, you're young in your career from I mean, just professionally in general. But, you know, we talk a lot about routines. We talk about, you know, a lot of people call them superstitions. We call them routines. In baseball, there's so many things. The game is so long over a period of a season that you have to establish a routine. Do you feel like that um, you in, you have your own established routines? Do you feel like that you've kind of come to some conclusions for yourself, or is that something you're still figuring out? Uh, I don't think you're ever, you're ever perfect. Uh, you're always adjusting. I mean, there's there's always new information, you know, with, with um biomechanics and and just mobility research and everything i mean you know that's that's why it's nice to have great relationships with with strength coaches and trainers and people who are constantly studying that stuff and um learning more about it and uh you know i i don't i don't think that you know right now we may think we have some things perfected in terms of mobility or or biomechanics but you know in a year or two years some of that stuff's going to be probably wrong or just antiquated altogether and so um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you do the best with what you have, and that's just it's just part of being committed to, to preparation in general. I think there's a lot of people who, you know, let their results or how they feel or um, various other changing metrics uh, dictate what their routine is like and how they prepare. Uh, but I would rather be committed to a plan that's not totally perfect than sort of wavering on on all kinds of information and trying to search out something that's changing all the time. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've had, I've had a similar routine for a long time. Components of it will change as I get new information or, or a necessity presents itself. But, um, that's, that's the, also one of the good things about being on the, in the pen this year is I, I learned what parts of it are, are truly essential and what things are sort of a luxury, uh, for when I'm starting. And, uh, at the end of the day, you got to trust yourself. You got to trust your stuff and what you're good at. Like I said earlier, and you know, just know that that's who you are, and it'll come out um, when you when you have the ball in your hand. Well, Spencer, well, congratulations on your success thus far. I know Greg and I both love watching you pitch. I know Braves fans do too, and we thank you for taking the time with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, good luck the rest of the way. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, see you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Our thanks again to Spencer Strider for joining us here on Behind the Braves, presented by Jostens. Speaking of Jostens, I've actually got the the website pulled up right here in front of me, Greg, jostens.com slash Braves. And looking at some of these things, I'm going to see going on family vacation next month. So I'll get to see my parents and siblings for the first time in, in a while. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted, like I kind of want to get... I was looking, I was like, maybe I could get them each this championship key ring because that's pretty friggin' sweet as I'm looking at it here. Of course, I've, I'll have i keep plugging the paperweight every week because that thing is awesome <laughs> as well. Uh, but there's a lot, a lot of cool merch on here. So if you haven't already checked it out, go to jostens.com slash Braves. A lot of World Series championship and World Series ring inspired merchandise that you can get here, including a, a limited edition actual world series ring if you want to go that far so check it out a lot of great stuff there and we're so thankful to jostens for being our presenting sponsor here on behind the braves also you can right after you're done looking at all the cool merch on jostens.com slash braves then you just hop on over to braves.com slash vote and just vote five times every day for all of your braves to to go out to los angeles and be on the 2022 all-star team brian snicker is the national league manager in the all-star game this year and so i think we need to fill out his roster with as many braves as possible we've had a lot of fun on the marketing side coming up with uh, these cool movie posters to kind of get people have some fun and get people interested in voting for our guys to go go out to the all-star game shout out to former behind the braves guest insung kim and his team for leading the way on these posters and to joy palmer for if you're going to a movie here in the atlanta area there's a good chance you'll actually see some of these posters in the movie trailers in the movies so i went to see top gun the other weekend and uh, loved it and uh, it was cool to see uh, our brave stuff in there before the movie so Braves.com slash vote five times a day. It's super simple and easy. And let's send our guys to Hollywood. So, yeah. And, uh, hey, Greg, enjoy the beach this weekend. I hear you're taking a little vacation, so you enjoy it. I appreciate that. Looking to get away for just a few days and then we'll get right back into it. So I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. And you know what? Before we go, I do want to give a shout out to Pat. He's a Behind the Braves listener, Pat Douglas. I He actually, he saw me at Truist Park at a game, I believe it was during the Oakland, Oakland series. I uh, just heard somebody yell my name. I turned around and it was him and he brought his son up. They were from up here from Melbourne, Florida and got to talk with him for a little bit, meet his son. He listens to every episode and I always appreciate when uh, we see a, a loyal Behind the Braves listener, get to meet him in person here at the ballpark or in the battery. So shout out to Pat. We appreciate you and everybody else that rates, reviews and subscribes Behind the Braves every week. So love it. Love yeah. it. All right. Well, Greg, you enjoy the beach this weekend. I'll see you in a couple days and let's keep this winning streak going. I'm, by the time this comes out, I'm hoping the streak will be at 13 games. If it's if if it's not, then that means we're 12 and one. And that's still really friggin good. So for the month. So either way, let's keep it going. All right. So for Greg McMichael, I'm Ricky Mast. We'll see you next week. I'm behind the Braves.